I am a walking grammatical error, uh, a living faux pas waiting to happen. And uh, I need to be proofread. I tend to overlook my own character flaws. And so I need to be proofread continually. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm talking about my character, my, uh, I mean, it's also true that I'm not a good speller. Um, for example, um, I'm a lot of things. Tall's not one of them, and uh, a good speller is not one of them. I was uh, about 20 years old, and um, I wouldn't have licensed me, uh, but I was going to a meeting uh, an oral exam, I'd completed all the prescribed studies for credentials with, the, with our church organization. And so I was going to meet the suits, um, and it was the oral exam. They, they had my test in hand, and I walked in. I had a bouquet of flowers because my youth pastor had arranged a kind of a blind date. Um, I had a lunch appointment with one of the secretaries at the district office. And um, (laughs) so I showed up and there was, I couldn't find her. I I didn't know where she was. I wanted to at least greet her and uh, because we were going to go out to lunch after my exam. And I, I couldn't find her. So finally I found her desk. And right as I saw her nameplate, the door opened. And they said, Pastor Doug, we're ready for you. And I walked in. There was, it was a big, long table with about 12 suits around it. And the superintendent of the Assemblies of God of Oregon, the state of Oregon, was at the end of the table. And here I am with my flowers. <laughs> and uh, Earl Book was his name. And Pastor Earl Book, he said, Doug, you didn't have to bring me flowers. And I, I said, you know, I'm sorry, honestly, this is a mistake. I, I really, these are for Peggy. Is Peggy, I mean, I, sincere desk. So Peggy was in the meeting. It turned out she was his secretary. And so I walked all the way around the table, and I, I handed her the flowers, and I said, we have lunch afterwards, right? And she goes, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, um, so I sat down. I... I I was shocked at how short the meeting was. Apparently, I'd done really well on the test, and, and you know all the answers were apparently correct or what they needed to be. And um, he, Pastor Earl Book, started to say something, and I could just tell by the cadence of what he was starting to say that it was starting to sound like "Don't call us, we'll call you." But I mean, I'm not kidding you. This is this is this was the length of the meeting. He said, Doug, great job on your test. However, I have one word of advice for you. Whatever you do, get a good secretary who can spell, because if she can't, you won't know it. (laughs) And, you know, I was young. I I, I thought, well, that's... uh, I wasn't thinking about what he said. I was thinking about... Uh, that's odd advice for somebody who's here for an oral exam. You're, you know, you're you're getting, you're heading out into a life of ministry, and 
This is what, and then I thought about what he said. I was so embarrassed. I just thought, oh my goodness, I should have had somebody proofread my test. Uh, when I was in seventh grade, I could read at a 13th grade level, uh, first year college level. I, I couldn't remember anything I'd read. Um, my retention was really low, and, my, uh, and I couldn't spell it if I wasn't looking at it. You know, I mean, if you just said spell what you, you know, any of those big words that you could read, I, I couldn't spell them. And, uh, you know, I still work at it, but I make sure everything is proofread. Um, in fact, there is a, uh, there's a typo in our, uh, in my sermon notes today. Um, I'm using that analogy to just say this, our lives need to be proofread. I mean... Uh, the things that I'm going to share with you, I'm talking about spiritual growth, just, just our need to be growing spiritually all the time. And I, I'm using that spelling or grammar analogy just to say, man, um, I, I don't see my own flaws. You ever send out an email uh, that you wish you had somebody else read? You wish you could get it back, you know, you, you wish you'd proofread it, um, not just for um, spelling or grammar, but for content, you know, and uh, you, hit, you hit send and it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, and you just can't reel it back in. Um, our lives are the same way. Uh, we just, we are not perfect. And I'll tell you, I, I have not mastered this. Um, the things that I'm going to share with you are, are just simply some notes that I've taken um, throughout life and some observations that I've made. Um, I, was, I was a why child, and uh, so I'm kind, of a, I'm a kind of a deductive reasoning sort of person. I don't really have to know what things are made of. I just need to know why they work. You know, the, the ankle bone's connected to the shin bone, and I just, okay, I get that. And I, I'm not nearly as concerned what the bones are made of. Uh, I just need to know why things work. And so the things I'm going to share with you are, are just kind of some deductive reasoning, some things that I've just noted about spiritual growth and, and how that if these things aren't in place, I'm just a mess. And uh, I, again, I'm not telling you that I've mastered this at all. I do this with varying degrees of success as I'm stuck here on this planet uh, between now and heaven and learning how to walk according to the Spirit rather than according to my flesh. So let's pray. Jesus, thanks for your word. And uh, we just ask for your help today. Lord, help me to uh, just share the things that are necessary today. Amen. So before I um, get into the four ways that I see, according to the scriptures, that our lives can be proofread, our character can be proofread, it, it, I need to ask the question, why? Remember, I'm a white child. You know, why do I care? Why should I care that my character is proofread? Why, what's, what's so bad about just where I am? You know, just sending it out like it is. Uh, just hit send. You know, here I am. Uh, what's wrong with status quo? Um, just, a, you know, a little bit of um, regularity. Why, why, why do I care? That's an important question for me. 
Um, I, I need motive. I need motivation. So I'm going to give you four reasons that I think make sense. One is love, love for God and love for others. Um, love is not just a responsibility. It's a response. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, if you were to ask Sherry, Sherry, why do you love Doug? Why, why do you um, submit your life in marriage to him? And if you were to ask me the same question, why do, you, why do I submit my life in marriage to Sherry? Because submission is not just the wife's role. It's the man's role also. That may be news to you, but Ephesians 5.22 says so. It says, submit yourselves one to another out of reverence for Christ. One to another out of reverence for Christ. Just two different roles. Um, but if you were to ask me the same question, Doug, why do you submit your life to Christ? Why do you yield your life to Him in obedience and submission? If I were to ask you that question, why do you? What's your answer? It could, it could be around one or two things. It could either be, well, because I'm supposed to. Sherry could say toward me, well, because the Bible says so, says to. That's, that's what I'm supposed to do. I could say the same. You could say regarding your relationship with Jesus. And you'd be correct. Is that all there is? Is it just responsibility? Or is it about response also? Is it just about keeping the rules? Or is it about a relationship? I say it's both. It's not either or. It's both. Jesus did not bleed out on the cross to solicit our shame, our guilt, our remorse, our sorrow. I don't believe that's why he did it. Those are some results, but that wasn't his motive. Here, I'm going to do this so they'll feel bad for me and serve me. Really? It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, in this, in this, God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It was an act of love, period. End of, end of story. It was, it was an expression of love. He said, sin has separated us from a righteous and holy God. We're not perfect. God is completely perfect, not a match. That's a problem. If we're going to be in fellowship with God, Jesus said, got you covered. Got you covered. And so he took the punishment of sin onto himself. Why did he do it? It was an act of love. It was his, I love you. And when the father raised him from the dead, that was the father's, amen. Jesus' act of love was sufficient. It pleased the father. And so he was raised from the dead, demonstrating his authority over our sin. His motive, his reason, his mission was love. 
That's what the Bible teaches. We'll look at some scriptures to verify that today. So what is my response to that? Am I really yielding my life to Jesus because it's the rules? Because I'm, because I'm supposed to? Because that's what it says inside the box? Or is it my response to that lover? What about my relationship with Sherry? Again, it, it, you see what I'm saying? If, if you were to ask Sherry, why, are you, why do you submit your life to Doug? Do you want to hear her say, well, because the Bible says so. That'd be true. Ephesians 5 says that's the wife's role. Also says what the husband's role is. Husbands, love your wives the way that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, I believe that, this is just one guy's opinion, when, when the Apostle Paul wrote those words, he was not talking about the cross. Husbands, love your wives the way that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. When we hear that gave himself up, we think cross. I don't think it was about the cross. I think it was about the garden of Gethsemane just a few days earlier when he bled out on a rock. and When he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass by me. Nonetheless, not my will. Everybody say that together. Not my will, but yours be done. That's where he died. That's where he gave himself up for the church. That's where he went, like Isaiah prophesied 400 years earlier, like a lamb. He would go like a lamb before the slaughter, like a sheep before his shearers is dumb. He would open not his mouth. How is it that he was able to go to the cross just like that? Because he died. Because he died to himself. So the husband role, husband's role isn't to just be willing to die a physical death for his wife. The husband's role is to be in a posture of preparing for death constantly. Whenever I do a wedding ceremony, I look at the husband and I say, you want to be the head? Do you want to be the head of this household? And he's like, mm-hmm. Because we're not sure that's, you know, if you say yes to that, that that's like PC in our culture, you know. But when a guy says yes, I say, okay, prepare to die. Jesus' whole ministry, his entire life, wasn't just about the cross. It was a preparation for the cross. He was in constant preparation for death. In a constant place of humility and submission to the Father's will. And his words were that it was because of love. So you want to obey the rules? That's good. You go right ahead. But it's a grind. And it's boring. And it's, and it's lived with varying degrees of success because just living for the rules is hard. However, if you respond greatly in love to a great love for you and I, then you're not thinking so much about the rules. I'm not being judged and managed and regulated by the rules. The rules are good. The law is good. However,
do my children obey me out of fear because I've established the rules? That's what God has done, and we should fear Him. However, is that why we obey Him? Or do my children obey me because they love me? Because I've loved them. We're talking about motive here, and I, I'm just saying that we need to ha- answer the why. Why does it matter that I would be in this growing spiritual relationship with Jesus as opposed to just kind of having the bases covered, having my life insurance, and, and just being in status quo? I think the most important reason is love. Let's look at a couple of passages. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. John 15, 9 and 12. My command is this, love each other. That's the rule. It's a command. As I have loved you. There's the relationship. Is love just a responsibility? Or is it a response? How about you, wives? Do you want to love your husbands just out of responsibility? Or do you want to love them out of a response to their love for you? Husbands, how do you want your wives to love you? How do you want to love your wife? It's the same thing. It's just, it's love. That's the motive. Romans 2, 4 says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness and his tolerance and his patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? Notice it doesn't say that God's judgment leads you to repentance. Repentance. It says God's, God's kindness leads you to repentance. I need to think daily about how Jesus lived a life preparing for a death to cover me. And what an incredible act of love that was. And maybe if I focus on that rather than the rules, maybe if I just respond to his love, it would be different. Our relationship would be different. 2 Corinthians 5, 13 to uh, 15 says, if we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Christ's love compels us. Paul shares the motive for his mission. We're doing this in response to Christ's love. A second reason I think we want to grow spiritually is because healthy plants grow. Um, If I'm growing, I'm happy. It's possible that you may be in a place in your life where you you just are unaware of this. Because if you've never been in a, a constant, maybe you're new to all this, uh, maybe you're here today and you're just taking inventory, you're not experiencing a relationship with Christ, and so you don't have a contrast. Maybe you've been going to church, coming in, sitting down and facing forward for 20 years, and you're in a rut. I've been there. And it's, it's just kind of boring. It's just kind of a, kind of a grind. It's not happy. 
uh, I, I feel like the plants that we moved yesterday from our, our, our north eave on the north side of our house. Sherry said, man, those are not happy plants. Look at them. I mean, they just they were so full when we hung them there. And then they're just, they're supposed to be those big hanging basket plants. And they're just like this, you know, and, and we're pulling dead stuff out of there. And, and finally it dawns on us. She says, those are not, uh, those are not shade plants. <laughs> so we took them down and we, we hung some shade plants and we put these, these ones in the sun. And I'm not kidding, overnight, it just, they're just happy because they're getting the sun. Uh, if we're not growing, we're not happy. And until you have grown and ex grown spiritually and experienced a growing, intimate, affectionate relationship with Jesus, you may not have the contrast. You may not know. Trust a friend. Maybe a friend that you have. And we'll be looking at that in a minute. Another reason is... Uh, well, before I just, let's look at John's, John 15, verses uh, 5 and 16. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. If a man remains in me and I in him, that's a relationship, right? You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. That happens not as a result of just obligation and obeying the rules. It happens as a result of, a, of, a, of an abiding, a staying relationship with Jesus. A third reason that I think I want to grow is because of what is known as the law of the harvest. It, it's kind of a, um, it's a spiritual law, very much like kind of our, um, our the, the, the laws of the universe, you take the law of gravity, for example. You know, what goes up comes down. I've said this before. You can jump out of an airplane a hundred times without a parachute, and you'll never be disappointed. All right? I mean, you just bet your life on it. You're going down. Uh, without a parachute, you're going down. It's just, it's the law of gravity. We can bet our life on the law of the harvest it's a, it's a God-created law. God created the law of gravity. He created the law of the harvest. Whatever we sow, whatever a man sows, so will he reap. And so that's a good motivator for me to be growing spiritually, to allow the four things that I'm going to share with you to proofread my character so that I'm not uh, just kind of a mess going through life sowing weeds and not bearing good fruit. So, uh, the, the last reason, I think, is just simply so I don't embarrass myself. <laughs> you know, like, like I told you about not having somebody proofread my, my Bible exam. <laughs> here, are, here are some reasons to proofread. These are actual announcements from church bulletins. Thursday night potluck, prayer and medication to follow. <laughs> Love that. Remember in prayer the many that are sick of our church and the community. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. 
It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husbands. <laughs> Low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday. Please use the back door. <laughs> Somebody should have read that before they printed it. Barbara remains in the hospital and needs blood donors for more transfusions. She's also having trouble sleeping and requests tapes of Pastor Jack's sermons. <laughs> Please place your donation in the envelope along with the deceased person you want remembered. <laughs> Apparently they only practice cremation and that church. Here's some medical chart bloopers. <laughs> Patient has two teenage children but no other abnormalities. <laughs> the patient was scheduled for a bowel resection, however, he took a job as a stockbroker instead. I don't know what, why they cared about his job, but it was just in the, in the chart. The lab test indicated abnormal lover function. <laughs> I saw your patient today who is still under our car for physical therapy. A proofread statement is intentional. We humble ourselves and we say, hey, would you look this over? Uh, I'd like for this to be good. We hire financial advisors, interior designers, business coaches, doctors, even pastors to tell us what to do. Yet, at times, we give little or no attention to our spiritual growth, that our character would be proofread by these four things. And I want you to uh, peek ahead. I know this is a little, um, you know, kind of uh, out of the ordinary, but I actually want you to jump ahead now and fill in your four parts of the outline as you just look ahead, because I'm going to read a passage in a minute, and I want you to collaborate with me. You actually get to talk in church. Uh, collaborate with me on what you see in this passage. So these four things are uh, first examine your own character. So just write in character there. Secondly, let the Holy Spirit proofread your character. If you're new here, folks are these. What folks are doing right now is they're filling in the blanks uh, at an, as an outline that was in your bulletin. Let the Holy Spirit proofread your character. Third, let trusted friends proofread your character. And fourth, let the Bible proofread your character. So the Bible, fourth, third trusted friends, and the Holy Spirit, secondly, and first, examine your own character. I believe that spiritual growth happens two ways. It happens both linearly, that's just a straight line, flat out, plodding away, learning, gaining knowledge. It's just knowing what does the Bible say? Who is Jesus? What did he claim? Did he do what he said? It's just, just flatline knowing. 
And it happens not just linearly, but it happens organically. So it just, life happens. Uh, you're diagnosed. Crisis occurs. Death, loss, um, success, celebration. Life just happens, and it's during those times where we make a decision. Okay, am I going to do this myself on my own, or am I going to go to God and, and get the counsel of the Holy Spirit? Am I going to grow and learn, or am I going to apply what I've learned? Well, if, if we don't know, if we're not growing in knowledge and learning, if we don't know, well then, how do we apply when life happens? Now, it's good when life happens if we say, you know, if we scramble and say, man, I, I, I got to know what the Lord says about this. I, 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 I got to know what the Lord is, gonna requ is requiring of me in this season of my life. I, I got to know. Uh, and, and so we go and we dig in. That's awesome. If we don't, we say, no, I'm going to do this on my own. I don't need God. Uh, we're going to be a mess. So a great time to have our character proofread is during tragedy and great success. Both need some proofreading, right? I believe that's how spiritual growth happens. It happens both ways. A lot of times folks only depend on the experience and are not disciplined in, in just gaining knowledge. Let's look at the value of knowledge. What does the Bible say? Is it just preachers that say, read your Bible? Um, journal? Uh, hide, hide, this, hide this word in your heart. Let's look at uh, 2 Peter 1, 3-4. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge, knowledge of Him, who calls us by His own glory and goodness. Through these... These what? Well, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them, those great and precious promises that we can read about and know, through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Would you like to experience the divine nature of God? I mean, I mean, literally, the, the divine nature of God can be produced in your life that you would bear good fruit that would last. The divine nature of God can be proofread into you. When I send something to Karen in our office because she does, she's a really good proofreader, so I send her a lot of stuff, uh, <laughs> It always comes back better. I can experience the divine nature of God through these good and precious promises. Spiritual growth happens both ways. Organically, Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, some of your favorite passages, it just simply says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge Him in everything and He will make your path straight. So when, when life happens, when organically things just happen, well, 
then he'll make your path straight if you trust in him. So it happens both ways. Now, with that in mind, hopefully those are some worthwhile motivations. Um, love, uh, just being a healthy plant that's growing. Uh, the law of the harvest, whatever we reap, we sow. And, uh, and just so I don't embarrass myself, I think those are all good reasons to be... Um, not to not settle for status quo when it comes to our spiritual growth. You agree? So um, here are four ways that we can be proofread. I'm going to blaze through these, okay? Uh, just because I think the why is maybe sometimes, it's just because I'm a why child, the why is sometimes more important than the what, you know? So here's the what. Spiritual growth, uh, or excuse me, I can be proofread first, as I examine my own character. Galatians 1 says, but watch yourself. Galatians 6, 4. Each one should test his own actions. So as we, uh, let me back up. Go to Galatians 6, 1 to 10, and we'll put that on the screen. Galatians 6, 1 to 10. And I want you to fire back at me which of those four things that I gave you uh, as you jumped ahead in your outline, which of these four things do these things mention? And I'll pause. You tell me what they are. Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him. Which one is that? What is it? Trusted friend, right? Okay, so trusted friend can proofread my character. But watch yourself. Which one's that? <laughs> it kind of says it, doesn't it? Uh, I can examine my own character. Or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. Trusted friend. And this is the way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something, he is. Uh, if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. I see that as kind of the guy's. Ah, I don't need to be. I can write this fine myself. I can. I can. You know, Hebrews twelve uh, two. You can write this down in your notes. Says, uh, uh, set your sights on Jesus, the author, and the finisher of your faith who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. You see? So we, we just need Jesus proofreading us. So uh, if anyone, verse 4, each one should test his own actions. Which one is that? That's kind of obvious, huh? Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else, for each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word. That's... The fourth one, right? Must share all good things with his instructor. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So first examine your own character. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one to 32 says, If we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be contemned, uh, condemned when this world... If I would judge myself and respond to His great love for me out of acts of love rather than just having being corrected by His rules, I'm going to judge myself. I'm going to examine my own character. I'm going to judge my own self against the Word, the fourth one that we'll look at, so that He doesn't have to judge me. I can just be loving Him.
2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, not, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Again, that's not a test of judgment. It's a test of, if Jesus is in you, then know his love for you. If you're following him and you're confessing him as Lord, then know his love for you. Set your mind on his love for you daily and respond in love. Let the Holy Spirit proofread your character. You know, Satan is not interested in contributing to your spiritual growth. Right? And do you know your flesh has no good ideas? No good ideas. Therefore, the voice that says, don't worry, pray. Uh, Don't hunger and thirst after lust. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. And you'll be filled. Know the scriptures and hide them in your heart. That voice, that is the voice of the Holy Spirit. You've heard those things, haven't you? So God does talk to you. Allow the Holy Spirit to constantly be proofreading your character in these ways. Know His voice. Third, let trusted friends proofread your character. Galatians 6.1, Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. James 5.19-20 says, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover a multitude of sins. I think of times in my life where I've allowed trusted friends to proofread my character. Um, Jerry Gibson, uh, some of you may know, he's uh, one of our missionaries in, in Spain, and we've just been good friends for years. And he, um, he was pursuing a master's in um, leadership, and a portion of that was um, personal coaching. He was going to get into that. And so I said, hey, I'll be your guinea pig, you know. Well, I didn't realize what I was getting into because, you know, Jerry's not afraid. And uh, he didn't let our friendship um, hinder the process, so he asked tough questions. And I just remember him uh, telling me, you know, Doug, you are, you're kind of an either-or kind of guy. Uh, man, it's black and white for you. Where's the and? And so he challenged me for one year to extract the word but because that, that either, that disqualifies, right? If you say this, but, or however that, you, you're kind of, with that mindset, you're kind of disqualifying what you just said, like it doesn't really matter. When usually both matter, like I was saying, spiritual growth happens linearly and, and organically, uh, there's the and, and so he challenged me for a year, just take that word out of your, and you'll find that it's really not even necessary in the English language. You can find ways around it. And so I started thinking about ands, this and that, and how both are valuable. And so uh, we were on a motorcycle ride. Just, um, I, I just did 1,385 miles in six days with uh, a, a group of guys from Southern Oregon, my, my brother and some guys that I met. And um, we were camped at Wallowa Lake uh, on Sunday morning. We got up, and my brother shared a passage. And then he did kind of a gutsy thing. There's eight guys around a picnic table, and we were just having church and uh, this last a couple weeks ago. And he says, 
uh, okay, so this is what I want to do. I want you to, I want to go around the table. And these are all guys my age and older. And he said, uh, I want each of you to share one thing that you feel like God is requiring of you in your personal life. Just what's he requiring of you? We're going to pray. And, and just to hear these grown men have God conversations, you know, this is what God's saying to me. Here's what I think I need to do in a loving response to him. And uh, it got to me and I shared, this is what I think God is, is, uh, is, is requiring of me right now to grow. And when I got done, uh, the nerve of Jonathan, the guy sitting next to me, I just met him on this ride. And he looks at my brother, John, and says, John, would it be all right if I just took a second and challenged Doug? And I'm thinking, no. <laughs> I don't know you. And he spoke into my life. And he said, Doug, think about this. And what I, I'm just, what I said was just a little personal, so I'm just going to keep that here for now. And, and he says, if this is the deal, then think about this. This might be why. Or, or ask yourself, could this be why? Okay, and, and I was proofread there at that table by, by I, would, I would have to say a trusted friend uh, because he's a brother in Christ, even though I just met him. And the Bible says in Proverbs, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And, and so he just spoke something, and I went away better, you know? So that's another way. And finally, uh, not only trusted friends, but the word. Let the Bible proofread your character um, just real quickly, some, some other reasons why uh, it's good to proofread. Um, it, just us family here, okay? So be honest. Are there any misspelled tattoos out here today? Any of you have a misspelled tattoo? This guy's extreme, man. He is extreme. How about, how, here's another one. Your next. Not my next. Your next. <laughs> uh, some key weed. I don't know what kind of weeds. I've never heard of some key weed, but no regret. <laughs> well, maybe one regret. <laughs> okay? Regret knowing. Life at what you make it. Or maybe your tattoo artist at what he make it. <laughs> okay? So, I mean, you know, I mean, it's just good to have a dictionary, right? That's what this is. This is uh, the Bible's a dictionary for our lives. And Second uh, Timothy three sixteen to seventeen says, "All Scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work." And then I leave you with this passage, uh, Micah six six to eight. What can we bring the Lord to make up for what we've done? Should we bow before God with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer Him thousands of rams and tens of thousands of rivers of olive oil? Would that please the Lord? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for the sins of our souls? Would that make Him glad? Verse 8. No, O people of the Lord. The Lord has already told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Would you allow the Lord, 
the Holy Spirit to proofread you, maybe a trusted friend, the scriptures. Examine yourself. These are all ways that we can just be better. And uh, let love be your primary motive, not the rules. There's a life journal, um, a, a journal, just a tool. If you've never tried it, I'd really recommend it. I wish I'd had it uh, years ago. Um, but it's just a great tool for um, teaching you how to read a passage in the Bible and see how it applies and then write down some action points, what you're going to do as, as a loving response to God and then be able to just kind of record what the Lord is saying to you. Um, I, I really recommend it. Some of us feel like God doesn't talk to us. And uh, really, he does all the time. Um, it's just, it's kind of like fishing. You've got to be in the river and, and lying in the water. You've sort of got to be present to win. Um, and so if, if, you're, if you are reading the scriptures regularly, then you're going to hear God's voice. And I would just encourage you with this. Even if you just did it, you know, two or three times a week. Let's say once. Okay, let's break out all the rules. All right, let's get outside the box. You read your Bible once a week. What if you just read your Bible once a week and you wrote down something from that passage that you felt like God was saying to you, and then you wrote down, here's what I'm going to do as a loving response to Him. Um, if you just did that once a week, how many of us could say, you know what, I, I know 52 things that God has spoken to me this year. In the last year, God's spoken to me 52 times. I know because I wrote it down. And, and I can go back and I can see what they are. Some of you may feel like, because uh, I've, I've had those years where just, God didn't say anything to me this year. Just be present in the Word and realize that He will proofread. He'd love to talk to you.